listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? So excited to be back with you again this week on the podcast. And uh, I'm so excited also because now that we are in the month of May, I have something special for every one of you that listen to the podcast. All this month until May the 31st, we have our brand new book, Unhang Your Harp, available on our online store for 33% off. You can get that now online for only $10. So I wanted to make that available to every person that listens to the podcast. Listen, jump on right now to shop.miracleword.com. That's shop.miracleword.com. Dot com And you can click right there and get your copy of Unhang Your Heart for only $10. It's originally and normally $15 a piece. While you're at it, grab one for somebody else and bless somebody with it. I know this uh, message on praise will change people's lives. And we've already been getting uh, testimonies back, not just from individuals, but also uh, worship leaders and worship teams that are being impacted by this message. So I want to encourage you to jump on there today and you have until May the 31st to grab your copy or a couple of copies for only $10. All right, let's jump in today uh, to what we have ready for you. Now, last week we talked about the subject, can anyone be saved? And obviously we talked about the fact that without the gospel, nobody can be saved. Nobody can receive Jesus without the gospel of Christ being preached first. That's what the Bible teaches. And we got into the uh, the subject of effective soul winning last week, and I said that we would dedicate this week to talk about keys to effective soul winning. So as you saw in the title, I want to deal with the four must-haves of an effective soul winner. The four must-haves of an effective soul winner. These four things have got to be in your arsenal if you're going to see success winning people to Jesus and bringing them into the kingdom of God, which by the way, is every believer's responsibility. That's not just something that's you know set aside for apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. This is something that's been given by God to every believer to accomplish before Jesus comes back. The Bible gives us the great commission in Mark chapter 16, and that's not given to just fivefold ministry gifts. That's given to every follower of Christ. So we don't have any excuse. Every one of us has to be involved in soul winning. And if you're not involved with soul winning on a you know mass crusade evangelism scale as a minister or something like that, doesn't matter who you are, we all need to be involved in it on a personal evangelism level, a one-on-one level where you have the ability to lead people to Jesus. And one of the things I think that holds people back from being able to effectively do this, and I'm not talking about fear, we may deal with that in a a bit, but some people are, are just so, I don't know how to say it other than they seem to be so removed from what life is like outside of their Christian bubble that they get so super spiritual 
when they try to win somebody to Jesus and it's it's not effective and, and honestly it's extremely off-putting. <laughs> I've been around people that when they try to talk to people about Jesus whether it be at a restaurant or you know something else I mean they they just use Christian clichés that nobody understands that's outside of a charismatic church service, you know, you know, talking to waitresses or waiters, you know, and calling them over to the table and we're getting ready to pray for the food but we'd like to bless you. We'd like to just release a spiritual blessing to you and your family. So what is your name? How can we pray for you during? I mean, the waiter and the waitress are just horrified in finding a way to get away from your table and never come back again. There's nothing wrong with praying for people, but this whole super spiritual, you know, using cliches, Father, we just ask you that you'd put her under the spout where the glory comes out, Lord. I pray that you'd make her so blessed she can't be distressed. I mean, it's not effective and it's weird and it's just, it's it's not something that, that works. You need to be a real person. I mean, nobody's like that in real life. Be a real person and truly have love for people, give them the truth, but make sense, be real. Jesus was able to go into the marketplace of his day and talk to businessmen, businesswomen. He was able to talk to the poor, the needy. He was able to talk to the rich and the influential, and he never had an issue relating to people on their level and being effective. And that's what we're called to do as well. So I want to encourage you with these four things today that when you see how important they are to have in your life, the Bible teaches us that we've got to operate in these four things. If we're going to see uh, the results or the fruit of our labor, and that's what we expect. We don't expect to be ineffective when we go to soul win. We expect to be extremely supernaturally effective. So I want to give you these things, and then I'm going to pray for you at the end and ask God that every one of these four things would be uh, activated in your life and that you would see the greatest year of soul winning that you've ever had in your entire life. So I want to get started. Let's jump into number one today, the four must-haves of an effective soul winner. Number one is eternal compassion, eternal compassion or love. We have got to have eternal compassion alive in our lives if we're going to be uh, effective soul winners. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, and Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So in the Old Testament, they had the 10 commandments plus over 600 uh, commandments in the law of Moses. But in the new covenant, we have simply two commandments. And that is this, love the Lord your God first. And secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. If you properly love the Lord, then you're not going to commit sins against him. If you properly love your neighbor, then you won't commit sins against them. But if you also, if you're loving your neighbor the way that Christ has instructed you to do, then true love does not want to see anyone perish eternally. In fact, that was the case with God, and he is love. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Bible tells us that God is love, and that spirit of compassion is God. And the Bible says in John chapter three that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that anybody 
who would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. So the truest form of love is the fact that you will give yourself or even give the truth to those that are on their way to hell, not caring what people may think about you, but you care more about their eternal soul than you do about what they might think about your or your natural reputation. True love tells somebody the truth who's in danger. And without true love for people, we will never even attempt soul winning. One of the things I pray for on a regular basis is that God would give me a supernatural love for people. You know, that's important too, because there's people out there that in the, in your, in your flesh, man, you are not a people person. You know, people may annoy you. You get, you get easily irritated at people. You're like, man, I wish he quit being so stupid. What are they? They need to get some common sense. And you have a very low tolerance maybe for people or people that make mistakes or people that act foolishly uh, and just outright, you're just not a people person. Some of us really need to pray that God would give us compassion and love uh, for the people around us, those that are making mistakes, those that are in sin, those that are far from God. It takes love before anything uh, can be done successfully. Love is the uh, strongest force in the universe. Love is the strongest force in the universe without question. Did you know that even, you know, think about the things in the past in history that hate has driven people to do. And, you know, people think, well, hate is a strong motivator. Hate will make people do things uh, that they wouldn't do if their hearts weren't so filled with hate. That's true. But do you know what an even stronger motivator is than hate? And that is love, especially unconditional love. And when you have a true love for people, and the Bible says it this way, what greater love uh, has any man than this, that he would lay down his life for another? So tr- the truest uh, form of love is someone who's willing to lay down their life for someone else, which is what Christ did for you and for me and for all those you're getting ready to reach. And love is the greatest motivator there is. Imagine what a parent would do for their child who is in danger, or you would do for a mother or father or a loved one who was in danger. We would do anything uh, for those that we love. Love is the greatest motivator. And until we have a supernatural love that's activated uh, in our hearts. Now, the Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in the heart of every believer. So it's not that we need more love, it's that we need to activate the love that we do have. And we have to get ourselves into a place where we put the flesh under. Uh, Because see, the flesh doesn't care about others. The flesh cares about itself. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, he said, I have to put my body under on a daily basis. On a daily basis. He was telling his flesh to shut up on a daily basis. He understood I have to take actionable steps to put my flesh under and to do what the spirit wants me to do. Why? Because the Bible teaches us very clearly in Galatians chapter five, verse 17, that the flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. The flesh is constantly at war with the spirit, meaning whatever the spirit of God wants to do in you, your flesh is fighting against it. Whatever the Spirit of God wants to do in you or through you, your flesh is fighting against it. That's why we have got to have 
our flesh be crucified or put under on a daily basis like Paul taught. And we have to activate the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts on a daily basis. I pray often, God, continue to give me a supernatural love for people. If we don't have a love for people, then we have zero motivation to bring anybody to Jesus. So I would I would make that one of your daily prayer points that God today fill me up once again with a supernatural love for people that I can look beyond the natural realm, look beyond their personality, look beyond their ego, look beyond their sinful nature, look beyond the things they say to me or about me, look beyond any of that that would offend my flesh and give me a spiritual supernatural love for those that are dying and those that are lost and make me effective in bringing them into the kingdom. So number one of the four must-haves of every effective soul winner, you've got to be moved by eternal compassion. You've got to be moved by eternal compassion. Number two, the, the second thing that you've got to have to be an effective soul winner is eternal vision or urgency. Eternal vision or urgency. What does eternal vision mean? It means that you can see outside of the natural realm and you know what's coming down the road. We know that there's a prophetic timeline that's active right now, that Jesus is very soon, very quickly, he'll be coming back to this earth and time is coming to a close as we know it. And that's why even back 2,000 years ago, Jesus said to his disciples, uh, and it's recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 9 and verse 4, he said, we've got to work the works of him who sent me while it is still daytime, for the night is coming where no man can work. Jesus is imparting a sense of urgency into the heart of his disciples because he wants them to work with an urgent fervor, knowing that time is coming to a close. Do you know this gospel message is a limited time offer? Once the rapture takes place, uh, the hope for men has come to a close. We leave the dispensation of grace and we step into a dispensation or a time of judgment on the earth where God will be unleashing judgment on all those who rejected Christ uh, before it was too late. So there is an urgency that needs to be in every man's spirit and every woman's spirit, not just a love, but an urgency. Love, you, you may have love in your spirit, but if you don't have urgency, then you can procrastinate your actions of love. If you don't have urgency, you can procrastinate uh, your actions of love. Well, I do love the people. I'll tell them about Jesus. You know, I think next week I'll get started. Maybe next month I'll do something in my neighborhood to get started at work. You know what? I, starting the first of next year on January 1st, one of my New Year's resolutions is going to be to start talking to people at work about Jesus. What if you don't have that kind of time? How could you let the rest of the months of this year go by without doing anything to tell people about Jesus or to bring them into the kingdom of God? There's got to be an urgency in your spirit that Jesus is coming soon. Time is coming to a close and there are people all around you that are dying and on their way to hell. If you don't do something, their blood will be on your hands. The Bible uh, tells us that all power has been given unto us. Jesus gave us uh, power through his death, burial, resurrection, ascension into heaven, and then filled his children with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He transferred authority, transferred power to us, and gave us 
the commission to win this world, to preach the gospel to every creature. That's not God's job. It's not Christ's job. It's our job. People have asked me, well, you know, do, what do you think about people that have never heard the gospel? Obviously, God will have to judge them differently, won't he? They never, it wouldn't be fair if they never had a chance to hear the gospel. You know, obviously, he would have to judge them based on what they do know or, you know, how good their heart is inherently. No, that is not the case. There's no back door into heaven. Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life, and no man can come to the Father except through me. He said, I'm the door. You can't get into heaven any other way than through Christ. And without the gospel being preached, there is no receiving Jesus Christ. So what happens to those that never hear the gospel? They end up going to hell. And it won't be God's fault, and it won't be Jesus' fault. It will be the fault of the church who did not do what God called her to do. And so there's an urgency. I remember hearing Dr. Lester Summerall tell about a vision that God gave him where he could see it was almost like a, a cliff and, and masses and masses of people who were just trudging forward like lemmings, one following another. And they were trudging forward off the edge of this cliff. And he looked over and he could see that the cliff at the bottom was the flames of hell. And people by the masses were trudging over the edge into an eternal hell. He said, I could hear their screams as they fell into eternal damnation. I could smell their burning flesh and their burning hair. God gave him a vision of eternity so that he could have an urgency imprinted upon his spirit which is what I pray for every one of you today. At the end of this podcast, I'm asking God that he would implant and impress a spiritual urgency into your heart to let you know that men and women are on their way to eternal damnation. And unless we act now, it may be too late for many of those that we know that are not yet right with Jesus Christ. So the second thing we've got to have to be effective men and women, soul winners for Jesus Christ, is not only do we need eternal compassion, but we need eternal vision and urgency to let people know that this, this time, this, this world we're living in, it's coming to a close as we know it. You know, many people are worried about, you know, how others will view them if they start getting urgent like this with their soul winning efforts. You know, they're worried about, well, you know, they're going to think I'm some kind of religious nut, some fanatic at work. If I'm just running around always urgently telling people to come to church and get right before it's too late. And see, the thing is, we care too much about what people think that aren't even serving Jesus. One of the things I've found is that in this social media generation we're living in, it's changed us into a group of people that are always looking for every action we take to gain the approval of others. We're looking for thumbs ups and likes and hearts and shares, but that's not what the kingdom of God's about. The Bible says the gospel preached is an offense unto many. The gospel preached is an offense unto many. The gospel does not make everybody happy. It's actually, it brings a division. It draws a line in the sand. As God did in the Old Testament, they drew a line in the sand and said, choose this day who you will serve. Anytime you stand for something, it immediately separates you from those that are opposed to what you're standing for. I'm not worried about what people think of me. I'm worried about what God thinks of me. I'm worried about what Christ thinks of my life that I'm living for him. He owns me. 
I'm a slave of Christ. Like Paul said, he purchased me with his own precious blood, bought me back from the kingdom of darkness and set me into the kingdom of his marvelous light. So now everything I do has to go through the filter of what does Jesus want me to do? And uh, people are always worried about what, you know, they're going to think I'm some religious nut. And uh, they, they, they might start shunning me or thinking that, you know, some disciplinary action needs to be taken against me at work or whatever. Listen, I always explain it this way. And that's why I call this second point eternal vision is because if you can only see in the natural, then your, your vision will always be skewed. I always give this analogy. Imagine if my daughter was playing out on the interstate uh, while there was a Mack truck coming just about a quarter of a mile away that I could see blowing its horn and everything. And here she's out just playing on the yellow lines in the middle of the interstate. Well, I may run out. I mean, love is not going to stand on the edge of the interstate and say, now, you know, get over here. If you don't get over here, you're going to be in timeout. No, true love can see the danger and rushes out into the street and grabs her, yanks her out of out of danger. Now, if your your vision is so zoomed in that all you see is a big old dad running out into the highway and yanking his little daughter off the road, you might say, well, he needs to, we need to call child protective services and have that girl taken away from him. No big father should ever be yanking their little daughter around like that. Well, if all you saw was what you was just my interaction with my daughter, then see your vision is too zoomed in. If you could just zoom out, you would see I was saving her from danger. There's a Mack truck coming. If I had not done what I did with such urgency and force, then her life would have been over. True love acts with urgency. And see, that's the problem is that people are so worried about what people, others think of them because their vision is too far zoomed in. All we care about is the right now. But you've got to keep your mind on the eternal, not the temporary. The eternal is that there's a judgment day coming and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The difference is there's two different personalities that every person will bow to at the end of time. You will either bow your knee to a father or you will bow your knee to a judge. And there's a big difference between bowing your knee to a judge versus a father. A judge pronounces a sentence, but a father pronounces blessings. And when we come to the end of time, some will have to bow to God, the judge, and he will pronounce an eternal sentence against their life. Others will bow to an eternal father who will sell, who will say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. We've got to have urgency and eternal vision to know time is coming to a close. Then let me say this, number three, the third element or must have that every effective soul winner has to have active in their arsenal is eternal wisdom. We've got to have eternal wisdom. Why do we call it eternal wisdom? Because it doesn't come from the mind of men, it comes from the mind of God. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. You know, did you know the Bible tells us we can ask God for his wisdom and that he would give it to us? That's what the Bible tells us in James chapter one and verse five. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. God wants us to have wisdom. That's why he wants us to pray and ask us, ask him to give us wisdom. 
And the Bible says when we do ask him, that he'll give it to us liberally. He'll give us a full measure of wisdom and he won't rebuke us for asking him for wisdom. That's James chapter one and verse five. So every one of us needs wisdom when we deal with people because every person is different. And the reason we need eternal wisdom is because God knows the hearts of men. We don't know the hearts of men. We don't know what it's going to be that's gonna open somebody up to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But one of the things that I always pray, I say, God, please give me the words to speak, supernaturally wise words, that when when I begin to talk to somebody about the gospel or about Jesus, that the things you lead me and guide me to say would break down the barriers and walls around their heart that have kept the gospel out if they've heard it in the past, and that would bring a, a soft heart to receive the word that I'm giving them and to bring them quickly into the kingdom of God. Give me wisdom. This is why I tell you not to just flippantly try to share the gospel with people without wisdom. Don't just go spouting off. You know, every, you know, it's very hard to tell people this, but you know, it's not just our job to tell people the truth. It's also our job to tell people the truth in a way that they can receive it. Do you know you can say the same thing in two different ways? One would be a way that's received by people, and one would be a way that's not received by people. Let me give you an example. If you come up on somebody who is a sinner who's doing something that they shouldn't be doing, you know, let's say, for example, somebody is doing something that you consider to be so offensive, they're going they're getting ready to take an action or they've just taken an action that you just cannot believe. There's one of two ways you can come at it. First, you could come at it from a very condemning standpoint. I can't believe you did that. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I am mortified at your actions. I can't believe that a holy God hasn't opened up the ground beneath you and sucked you into the flames of hell, you filthy heathen. Like you can come at it from that way and everything you're saying might be true. What they did might be extremely offensive to God. What they might have just done may have been something that's, you know, uh, completely contrary to the scriptures and, and to what you believe. You know, obviously it is breaking the heart of God, but you also have to remember that God is a loving God, a God of mercy, a God that in this dispensation continues to cry out and call out through Jesus Christ and through his church to those that don't know him. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So there's a second way. See, if you go about it from that condemning condemning way, always remember this. If you're taking notes, write this down and don't ever, ever forget it. Condemnation pushes people from Jesus, but conviction pulls people to Jesus. Condemnation pushes people away from Jesus, but conviction pulls people toward Jesus. See, men condemn but the Spirit of God convicts. It's not your job to convict someone's heart. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And he does the work as you obey him and deliver the gospel in love. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Bible says no man can be saved unless the Spirit draws him. How does the Spirit draw a man? When we deliver the truth in love, the gospel of Christ. It's not my job to convict And it's not my job to condemn. Condemnation shuts down the heart of an unbeliever and pushes them away from Jesus. Too many people have been turned off to Christ by unwise Christians that have acted with uh, condemnation in their heart. 
it doesn't bring people to Jesus. So that's why we need supernatural wisdom, supernatural wisdom and love and urgency. And when we act in these ways, it gives us an open door to minister to those that are around us. So we've got to be wise. You know, don't go into a restaurant and be flippant with how you talk to the waitress or waiter. Don't get super spiritual and say things that are just going to freak them out. Please, by no means, if you think your children that are five and seven and eight years old have a gift of prophecy on their life, please do not call the waiter or waitress over and say, oh my God, I just tell you my kids have a spirit of prophecy all over them. I'd like them to prophesy over your life. Would you just kneel down? My kids would like to lay hands on you. I mean, people do that stuff. And it's weird. And the Bible says, don't put up a novice. And if a five or seven or eight year old child is not a novice, I don't know what is. Don't do weird things that push people away from Jesus. Be normal, be powerful, be full of the word, be full of the spirit and use wisdom as you minister to the unsaved. God will bless you for it and you'll see many lives changed as a result of it. The Bible says, and the reason I said be full of the word is because Peter gave us a command in 1 Peter chapter three. And let me read you verses 15 and 16. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you're slandered those who revile your good behavior in Christ might be put to shame people may have actual valid questions about your faith your christianity They may have seen things on television or they may have seen things in a previous church uh, service that they've been to that they just don't understand. Every person that asks you a question about your faith or Pentecostalism or charismatic church or, you know, they're, they're not coming against it. They're not mocking it. Some people are actually, they have valid questions or they may say, why do you believe in this? Or I've heard people saying that Jesus is coming back. What's that all about? Why do you believe, do you really believe we're going to disappear one day? I mean, there's people that have valid questions and the Bible tells us as a command to be ready to give them an answer, which means you've got to be in the word filled up with the word. And that's also part of having eternal wisdom at your disposal. Number four and finally, Every one of us has to have eternal boldness, eternal boldness. Now, let me just break all four of these down for you. First, we've got to have love. That's the greatest motivator. Second, we've got to have eternal urgency so that our love can actually be put to work and not be pushed off into the future. We've got to get to work now. Thirdly, we've got to have eternal wisdom so that we know what to say when we come to say it. And finally, boldness. It might, you know, if you don't have boldness, you might have an urgency in your spirit and you know, I've got to say something. I've got to say something. I got to do it right now. But if you don't have the boldness, it could still stay within you unsaid. That's why even Paul, the apostle, think about how crazy this is. Paul, the apostle, who could probably be considered one of the most you know, maybe one of the boldest men in all of the New Testament, if not the boldest, who was beaten, who was shipwrecked. I mean, they, everything they could do to Paul, they did it. I mean, he was persecuted in every way for preaching the gospel and he kept on going. But when he wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus, he finished the letter in the sixth chapter by asking them to pray for him. And he said, pray for me 
that boldness would be given unto me. Boldness would be given unto me. Think about that. Paul, who was extremely bold, extremely bold. He said, don't stop praying for me. Pray that boldness would be given unto me that I may continue to preach the mysteries of the gospel. Think about that. He said, I want to open my mouth and boldly proclaim the the mystery of the gospel. Listen, if Paul needed boldness, then every single one of us needs to be filled with the boldness of the Holy Spirit to speak the gospel in, in love and in truth to every person that God opens the door for us to do that. Listen, every person that's tried to, to witness to somebody, I'm sure, has felt a nervousness, a fear come upon them. You've got to take authority over that. And the Bible says, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Power and love and a sound mind. Take authority over a spirit of fear and timidity that would try to stop you from being an effective soul winner. Build yourself up on your most holy faith, as Jude verse 20 says, and pray in the Holy Ghost. One of the things that happens when you pray in the Holy Ghost and get filled with the Spirit is that boldness comes upon you. Boldness comes upon you. That is shown to us in Acts chapter 4, where the Bible says that uh, persecution in the early church had started to strip away some of their boldness. As they begin to work the works of Christ and do what Jesus told them to do, they got persecuted for it. And so as a, as a result, they returned, the Bible says, to their own company, went into a house and began to pray all night. And the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to proclaim or speak the word with boldness. One of the things that takes place when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and refilled is that a boldness comes upon you. And that's what we need. We've got to have a supernatural boldness in our lives to see people changed by the mighty gospel of Jesus Christ. These four things will make you an effective soul winner. You'll see people coming into the kingdom left and right. I believe personally, you could fill your church by yourself with people that you've won to Christ on a one-on-one basis. I mean, think about it. I don't know what kind of a church you go to. I don't know how big the church is, but let's just say, for example, I mean, the average church in America, the average church in America is sadly now between 60 and 80 people a week. That That's the attendance in the average church, according to the recent Barna research we've seen. 60 to 80 people attend church, the average church. Now imagine, let's just, let's just go with the low end, 60 people. If you just went out and had the faith and the boldness to believe God to win one person to Jesus each week, you just said, God, give me one soul this week. I mean, that's a very simple prayer. It's a very simple goal. God, this week, one soul, I pray, lead me and guide me. Give me the words to speak. Let me be bold. Give me love. Give me urgency. Give me wisdom and give me one soul this week. If you did that all year long, can you imagine you would have almost doubled your church by yourself in one year? If just you did it, nobody else in your church, if the average church is at 60 and you won 52 people to Jesus in a year, you would have doubled your church by yourself. Now imagine if other people in your church caught on fire like this to win people. 
to Christ and to populate heaven. Imagine what would take place. I can't stand hearing these preachers, you know, that that uh, badmouth personal evangelism. You know, well, you know, people think they're the only ones working for God. You know, God doesn't need you. He's got th- ton, hundreds of thousands. Of, no, he doesn't. God doesn't have hundreds of thousands and millions of people that are doing his work. There might be hundreds of millions of people that are saved, but the average in America right now, they tell us over 70% of churches won't see one conversion this year. So don't tell me that God has hundreds of millions of people doing this kingdom work for him because he doesn't. There, In fact, Jesus told his disciples back then, even when the early church was about to get started and and these things were happening on on a regular basis, Jesus told them in Matthew chapter nine, he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the harvest field because the harvest is great and plenteous, but the laborers, the workers are few. I'm telling you the same is still true today. The harvest is still great and the workers are few. Decide in your spirit today, I am going to be one of those effective laborers in the harvest field. And as you do, God will richly reward you for your work in his harvest field. Can I tell you something? God's the one who determines your paycheck, not your boss. God's the one that determines your promotion, not a company, not a corporation, not a government, not an economy. No, God's the one. Psalm 75 declares he's the one that brings promotion. And when you're doing the work that he considers to be the most important work, he will reward you. I promise you for that. I promise you that. God rewards those who work for him. He has a paycheck set aside for people who are doing his work. Let me pray for you before we go today. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray for every one of these people listening to the podcast. I pray in Jesus' name that you would, number one, fill them and activate that love that you've shed abroad in their heart, a supernatural love for people, that, Lord, they would not be put off by the actions of others, the words of others, the egos of others. No, Lord, let them see past the flesh and see into the spirit. Then, Father, give them a spiritual urgency to get to work before it's too late, winning people to Christ. Give them the words to speak, the wisdom, the knowledge. Give them the answers that they need. Give them the the supernatural. Let them operate in the gifts of the Spirit, God. Give them words of wisdom, words of knowledge that'll break down the barriers that are holding back the gospel. And finally, Lord, fill them with the fire of the boldness of the Holy Ghost to speak the truth in love and not care what anybody may think of it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for that. We give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening again today. Share this podcast with somebody. It needs to be heard by as many people as possible. Jesus is coming and we need to get to work before it's too late. I love you. If you've been enjoying the podcast, listen, take a screenshot, share it on social media, tag me in it. I say thank you to every one of you that do it. And don't forget until next week, goodness and mercy is following you for the rest of your life. I love you. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 